Hello, I'm Martin. And I'm Angelina. And this is the CX Cast. Welcome back to the CX Cast. This is the second part in our series about our keynote arc at CX Amir. So if you haven't already listened to the episode we did with Joanna de Cantonier on empathy with customers and understanding customer need, absolutely go and listen to that. It's not a precursor to this. This stands on its own. But this is part of a story we told around deeply understanding customer need, designing great experiences that drive loyalty, and then measuring them with business outcome-driven metrics to make sure you're doing the right things for your customers and your business. So we're joined today to talk about design by Phil Bonhard from Lloyd's Banking Group. First of all, hello. Hello. And secondly, um, I was about to introduce you with your old job. I just remember your, your job's kind of changed over the last couple of months, hasn't it? So yeah. I'll let you do the intro yourself. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for having me, number one. Um, yeah, my name's Phil Bonnard. I'm the head of experience design for the Homes platform, which essentially is everything to do with mortgages and home ownership at Lloyds Banking Group. So we've had quite a few banks on, um, and we'd love to learn from the actual roles on a design team. And like you represent one of the design teams at Lloyds. So kind of what's, what's unique about Lloyds? You, you guys have been focused on design for a long time, I know, but kind of what makes it shine at Lloyds? Um, well, there's a lot to answer there, but if I go back, say, six years ago when I started at Lloyd's, uh, I came in back then as a contractor, in fact, as the UX lead in mortgages. And my very first job was to in-house the entire design team that until then had been outsourced to partner agencies and system integrators, you know, the big ones like Accenture, IBM, Sapient, etc. So my job was to bring all of that capability in-house. And at that point, I was a contractor. But even the idea of in-housing something like that was novel for a large bank like Lloyd's, because we had traditionally relied on specialist agencies to deliver capabilities such as user experience design, service design, visual design, customer research, anything design related was done by outside parties. And back then, so this was kind of the mid-10s, they realized actually customer experience is really key to everything we do. Because as a financial services institution, if you think about it, we used to move vans with money around from branches to vaults, etc., now we move zeros and ones around. We're more of a tech shop than, you know, a bank. I mean, yes, we're a financially regulated institution, but mostly we deliver our service through digital channels. And so the organization realized that customer experience is incredibly important and doing all of that outsourced is incredibly expensive. So why not bring it in-house? And in the six years that I've been at Lloyd's, we've pretty much in-house the entire design function to Lloyd's Banking Group. So now we're about 400 strong across the entire group. And in mortgages, there's about 25 of us just dealing with all aspects of experience design for dealing with home ownership, mortgages, etc. And that's at multi-channel. So it's not just digital. It's your experience in branch on the phone, as well as any kind of digital channels. And I guess just for our maybe international listeners who don't know Lloyd's Banking Group, and actually this is something I learned working with you guys over the last few months. Sure. It's not just Lloyd's Bank, is it? There's a plethora yes. of brands in there that you deal with. So Lloyd's Banking Group actually encompasses three core brands. One is Lloyd's Bank, one of the biggest banks in the UK, but also Halifax and Bank of Scotland, traditional banks that have been around for hundreds of years. 
Halifax is our biggest mortgage provider in the group, and it's also the biggest mortgage provider in the UK, I believe. And then we have a plethora of smaller brands, including Lex Auto Lease and a few others that, you know, there's too many to mention. But the key ones are Lloyds Banking Group, Halifax, Bank of Scotland. So I'm actually very curious now because I was an experienced strategist at Sapient. What kinds of people were you looking for who have those skills to bring in-house? I mean, would you have just hired me on the spot if I was on the Lloyds project? Probably. I mean, I'm an ex-Accenture <laughs> person myself, ex-Accenture and ex-Sapient. So nice. funnily enough, when I was telling the account directors what I'm doing, they were trying to like, you know, win me over and this and that. And I was like, you don't have to do that. I've been on, on, on your side and my brief is very clear. I'm really sorry. I need to stop your contract in about six months time. Um, and yes, we hired many people directly from those companies because also what happened a lot back then with those companies, including Sapien and Accenture, was that they would hire contractors and then put them on the pitch for us. And in the end, we just went to them directly and said, hey, do you want to work for us directly? Perm, right? Because you come with a, well, the job comes with a bunch of benefits, such as an incredible pension and health plan and paid holidays and, and all of that good stuff. That's and the so, dream. Yeah, exactly. So we ended up recruiting a bunch of contractors. And well, initially we had a lot of contractors. And then about two years later, we went from heavily contract-based design resources to in-housing and making those folks mostly perm. So we now have an 80-20 ratio of permanent staff to contractors. So was it a financial business case or was it predicated on building a better experience? Because this is a function that's very often agencyed or outsourced. Yes. I think it's both. I think, well, there's a couple of parts to this. Number one, I think overall the value of customer experience and how it is delivered has matured in organizations. So people have actually understood that as we deliver digital experiences, it makes sense for us to not be dependent on external partners to deliver that because as we deliver any project, any journeys, the knowledge once the partner leaves often leaves with them. And so we want to create a consistency of knowledge and insight around all the products that we deliver. So there's more of a maturity around the appreciation for design If you'd asked anybody 10 years ago, what's the role of design? Most people would have told you in large organizations, oh, it's the pixel pushers. It's the guys who make stuff pretty, right? You tell me which shade of red I need to use in a logo. That's literally what somebody told me at Vodafone when I worked there as part of a big consultancy. You're the guy who makes the logo bigger. Um, And 10 years later, people understand, no, 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 no. There's far more to design than just visual design. And they also started understanding through the, um, I guess, consumerization of technology, the fact that we all have smartphones in our pockets now and we have, you know, Netflix on our computers as well as our smart TVs. We're surrounded by technology. People understand that it's not just a gray box that sits in a corner and lets you do work. Now, my mom uses iPads and her iPhone and uses them seamlessly together because Apple has massively helped us with, you know, simplifying that technology. So there is that experience aspect to it, but there's also, yeah, absolutely the financial aspect to it, which is the fact that it's cheaper, right? I mean, if I go to uh, an external consultancy, they're going to charge me through the nose. Whereas if I have a permanent staff base topped up with a little bit of contract, I can much better financially predict how much it's going to cost me. I think the point on technology is a really powerful one, but then sometimes the problem can be that the business understands the value of getting up to speed. And so what they're asking for is for you to design within the solution space. They think they already know what you need or what they need. Yep. And so I'm curious how you make sure they're not jumping to that conclusion of here's the, the tech solution. Absolutely. And this is 
in a way, I would say the third stage of that maturing of an appreciation for customer experience and design in general. The first stage was bringing it in-house, right? Even before that, I would even say is consultancy, like stage zero was when consultancies bought all the agencies. So Accenture bought Fjord and a bunch of others. Sapient bought a whole bunch of agencies around. So they brought that capability to deliver it to clients. Clients then bought that capability in-house. Then they understood, okay, well, we, it's better to have that in-house in perm stuff, not just contract. And then once we were actually in-house, we as designers had the opportunity to partner with the business and teach them about the value that we bring, not just downstream as in, you know, design me a solution that I have pretty much predefined. I need a website or an app, you know, make it pretty, brand colors and everything, but bring it more upstream at the strategic level where if we were thinking double diamond design thinking, right? First diamond being understanding the problem, second diamond being understanding and delivering the best solution. Understanding the problem, they understood that designers can help us really understand the problem, quantify it, prioritize it, make sense of it, and then focus in on the problem that is actually really, really important. So now we are involved not just in the delivery of solutions, but we're actually involved in the strategic discussions about what are we going to do in the next year, three years, five years, understanding the problems, the opportunities, customer needs, as well as customer problems, so that we can then deploy the design resources as and when they're needed. So you said you started this process, what, six years ago? Yes. So was and there, it had already uh, started before me. So I, was, I, I joined right. in the middle of you know, bringing this in-house journey. So I would have said it started probably a couple of years before that, if I went to like the okay. stage zero. Yeah. So I'm thinking about the kind of, there's a, there's a mindset shift you're describing about getting more into the kind of research and divergent space of, of yes. coming up with ideas and identifying consumer problems, customer problems before you start a solution. Mm-hmm. But that, that implies to me that you've got some executives, senior executives in the, in the business buying into yeah. this idea that design can help yeah. us rather than just shut up guys, yeah. tell, us, tell us which jet red to pick. Where did that mindset shift come from? Was it a top-down CEO-driven thing, or did that have to bubble up from a design capability? We did have we we did have some very senior stakeholders at executive level, at group executive level, who were supportive and who understood this. So back then, one of our, our group executive members was a big fan of design thinking, and he was the one who actually brought in the very first chief design officer, who managed to give design and identity in, in Lloyds Banking Group. And, and there are other examples, other organizations that have successfully shown this. If you look at IBM now, IBM, because its CEO has understood the importance of design thinking and, and the value design brings, not just to customer experience, but to the business, they have actually grown their design functions from a couple of hundred to tens of thousands, I believe now. And they are probably one of the consultancies and one of the biggest design-led businesses across the globe. So absolutely, you need executive support, right? If, if the executive level has no interest or no understanding of the importance and the strategic partnership that design can bring, it's very, very difficult to do it from the bottom up because you will always find older people telling you, well, you guys are the ones who make just stuff pretty. So it starts with executive support. And once you have that, spreading the love, spreading the knowledge so people you know, appreciate what you do. And one thing I would add to this as well is, and this is something that we have to learn as design, because as designers, we're so passionate about the craft, right? About the method, everything that we do, right? And we, we could talk for hours about how we did customer research, how we did prototyping, how we did usability testing. We had to painfully learn that 
as a business, the business doesn't care about the craft, the detail. Business cares about the outcome. And we have to learn to speak the same language, right? So when we speak in terms of design, we don't talk about the craft. We say, yeah, we have craft, awesome, right? But what we're here for is to partner with you to drive the right outcomes. And generally, those outcomes are business-driven, right? In a business, you make money or you save money. And that's absolutely fine unless you're a charity, right? And as design, we're here to help you achieve those goals, right? It's not just about making stuff pretty, but it's about achieving cold, hard cash business goals. I think it's only fair. Could you imagine if a business consultant spent the whole time telling you how he built his Excel sheet? I mean, I'm just not interested in that. And everyone's got their different interests. So what's the story and what's the bottom line? Totally agree. So what about the cost of poorly designed experiences? Because having a a design forward organization isn't just about Mm. what can resonate most with customers. It's also that cost aversion too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, years ago already, there's a famous statistic that, I don't know, every dollar that you spend right now fixing things in design will cost you a thousand times as much or 10,000 times as much once it's in live in real code, right? Because if I design something now and I can show you what it looks like and usability test it and iron out any problems, once it's coded, changing that code, changing the wording, changing any layout, changing any flows is much, much harder because I need to think about not just, you know, the implementation changing the wording. I need to think about the functional testing, the quality testing, you know, the security testing, all the stages that something has to go through before it is live again. And this is doubly so in a bank. As much as I'd like to, you know, push code every 15 minutes or something, I can't simply because if my internet banking app falls down and millions of people can't suddenly transact, I'm in a whole lot of trouble. So um, that's one thing. The other thing that has massively changed, years ago when we designed, we would design in documents. We would create PDFs and pictures of designs to show you what something would look like. Over the last 10 years, it has become completely commonplace that we prototype, we show you the experience, the way it is intended to be in a totally clickable format so that you interact with it as if it was the real thing. So there's absolutely zero doubt about how it's intended to be. And that allows us to then also show it to prospective customers and check, are they interacting with it the way we want them to? Can we ask them questions about it? And we can do that at scale now. Because again, 10 years ago, doing remote user testing was incredibly difficult. Now I can create a prototype, send it to, if I wanted to, 10,000 people and see what they click on before I even written a line of code, right? And that comes at absolutely minimal cost compared to how much a developer is and all the functional testers that I need to redeploy every time I want to make a change later. So I'm curious about, you start to talk about kind of iterative processes. Mm-hmm. It gets me thinking about like your relationship with the development teams, the product teams. So you're within the homes and mortgages business. Yep. So I assume that you're dedicated into making the mortgage application, the mortgage servicing process better. Yes. So I can understand how that works, but how, how does Lloyd's or how do you collectively ensure that kind of design as a discipline, design as a practice functions across the different silos of the business? So we have an experienced design function at Lloyd's Banking Group. And we federate our teams out to the different parts of the business. Right. Now, within all the different parts of the business, you will have people like me, uh, head of design in LBG terms, that's called a design lead, um, whose responsibility is the overall experience for that area. So we have me who looks after homes and mortgages. I used to look after economic crime prevention. We have other people who do everyday banking. We have other people who do onboarding. We have other people who um, look after financial well-being. So there's different areas. And in all these areas, 
people like me will make sure that we have the right mix of design skills on the ground in order to be able to fulfill the demand that is coming. One of my functions is also going to be to look ahead with the overall department and say, right, this is what's happening right now. But right now, I'm also looking at 2024, right? What is the plan? What problems are we trying to solve? Which things do we need to build? And this is always an interesting balance because obviously, in planning as agile as we are, we still plan in we're going to build one of these in 2024 and another one of these. And that's fine. That's already a predefined solution. We're now taking them on a road where we say in 2025, can we talk about the problems we're trying to solve so that we can then take that and give that to a design team and a feature team to solve as a problem rather than saying, please build this. So key is having our directors at executive level spread the word around design and making sure that you know all the different parts of the business have a design lead assigned to them. And then my job is to make sure that we have the right mix of skills in order to be able to fulfill the demand. So you're embedded into kind of project life cycle, as it were, when the projects start. Absolutely. And the ambition is to kind of embed yourself into the strategy level of what, what is the bank trying to do rather than we've decided what we're doing, let's get the designers involved. Yes. Yeah. And we already do that. So, you know, my I'm part of the leadership level in that homes platform. So I sit alongside the lab product owners, the directors, uh, the platform directors who report up into the executive level. And we're there to partner with them because, like I said earlier, our goal is to help them achieve their objectives and key results. So I keep a close eye on which objectives and key results are related to customers. And then I need to say, okay, what do I have to do in order for you to achieve that? Now, in mortgages, there are very, very specific customer-related OKRs around you know, how many people we want to be able to do a mortgage application online, for example, versus having to have assistance through a mortgage advisor or a broker. Or how many people we want to have a mortgage through a broker, right? Or how many brokers are going to interact with us because that's also very, very important. So it's not just end users for us. There's also a B2B aspect to it that we're trying to make sure we achieve. So I can see the strategy here now, and I like how it's both building out this federated model, but also building up as well. Is there anything else in terms of your own vision for the future of design at Lloyd's that you could share? I think one of the key things that is challenging sometimes is predicting the demand. And in the future, what I would like to see more at the moment, because we're a federated team, we are seen as a cost effectively, right? How much money do we have to set aside for experience design? I would like to see a world in the future where we're actually integrated fully, where we have a product owner, an engineering lead, an experience design lead as a trio, right? to deliver the product outcomes that we want to achieve. That would be, in a way, my, my goal. At the moment, we are still a delivery function that is partnering with you. Um, I'd like to see that more integrated in the future. I can see that. We've seen that work very well in some organizations where you can bring either that kind of two-in-a-box or kind of triple leadership together from an experienced product, like business ownership and technology ownership. So, yes, fully support mm-hmm. that. So this has been a fascinating run-through. There's probably loads more we can talk about, let's face it, but a a run through design at Lloyd's. So thank you, Phil, for sharing today. Thank you for having me. We'd love to have you back in the future. Sure thing. All that remains to say is stay tuned for the next installment where we will talk about how we actually measure the success of the solutions that we're building in true business terms. And thank you to producers Ellie and Julia, without whom none of this would happen. 
If you want to get in touch, email us at cxcast at forrester.com or message us on Twitter at cx underscore cast. As always, you can find us at www.thecxcast.com or on your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to like and subscribe and tune in next time for more CX Insights. Thank you.